The creation of humanity is one of the most beautiful and mysterious elements of the Genesis narrative. It includes plural nouns with singular verbs, gender, and the elements of earth and breath. In this episode, Rabbi Ari and Pastor Danielle reflect on what it means for that creature, Adam, to be made in the image and likeness of God. Lame pictures of Jesus, a kiva in a bathhouse, and XY chromosomes. This week on A Rabbi and a Pastor Walked In. We are continuing our Genesis 1 through 11 series on the shared text before anyone really becomes Jewish or Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, today we are continuing in the Genesis narrative of Genesis 1 and jumping right into the creation of humanity. And uh, this is an interesting set of texts because like anything else, which is short and sweet, it can be multiply interpreted <laughs> and has been multiply misinterpreted throughout the centuries. As you do. As we do. As you do. Uh, so we are right then in Genesis chapter 1, and today our, the title of our podcast is In the Image. In the Image of God, because that's how we are created. So uh, we're going to read that in Hebrew for a second, and then we're going to translate. It says, Vayom Elohim, God said, Naaseh, let us create let us make, and we'll deal with God's plurality some other time. Uh, Adam. Adam means human beings, and it's also the name Adam, and it's also the word for a man. Bitsalmenu kidmutenu. In our uh, image and likeness is what is usually translated. Selim is a word that comes from the word sel, which is a shadow, but it's an image, and a demut is a likeness or an image. Vyirdu bigdat hayam, and they should have dominion over the world, and we'll get back to that. Vayivra Elohim, this is 127, God created et ha'adam, the humanity. Bitsalmo, bitsalem Elohim bara oto, zaharun keva bara otam. God created humanity in God's image, it will be in, uh, g- in gendered language, his image. Bitsalem Elohim, in the image of God, bara oto, God created this thing. Zahar unkeva bara otam, male and female God created them. I just want to say one thing about gender. Hebrew has male gender and female gender, but no neuter. Right. So it cannot say it without saying he or she. Mm -hmm. So he or she could be it at any given time. And the thing is that most people want to translate he or she if we're referring to a person. Mm-hmm. and it if they're referring to an object. Right. But it's the same word. So mm-hmm. creating it, humanity, is the same thing as saying him. And even though God is usually referred to as masculine, it can also be referred to as it. Right. But we like to say personally because we usually always call God you, you singular, um, and so. And, but it's also masculine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So when we get to that point then at the very beginning here in 126 when god says let us make humanity in our image and in our likeness that uh word you mentioned that the word for humanity there is adam and yet it's doesn't it's not yet a proper name it's not yet adam um so how how does that word come into play here well it's kind of funny um first of all you hear adam so you see that first letter is an A. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say a couple things with an A, and sometimes it's a short A, and sometimes it's a long A. So the word Adam, and as we'll see in the next chapter, chapter 2, is created out of the Adama. Mm-hmm. Adama means dirt. Mm-hmm. Or I like to say humus, because it's going to create the human. 
And, uh, and so the combination of dirt, adama, and aid, long A, which is the vapors that come up, mm. the water, the liquid that comes into it, uh, creates the adam. So adama and aid make adam, plus God's spirit. Mm-hmm. And so the word adam is basically earthling. <laughs> right. And what do you call a potato in Hebrew? A tapuach adama, a ground apple. A ground apple, right. <laughs> so the word adama and adam are still words that are used today to sort of infer earth or ground. I mean, we have a different word, additional word, right? Haaretz, um, the land. But there's, um, but this word adam, adama for, for dirt and earth, this is where later on in our next narrative of creation, of the creation of humanity in particular, we get that sort of idea of coming from the dirt, right? But yep. here we don't actually have that. It doesn't give us any specifics. If we, no. if we didn't have Genesis 2, we wouldn't know any more specifics on how God did this other than that God spoke it into existence in the same way God has been speaking all of these things into existence for the since the beginning of chapter one. Of course, what that means when God speaks is a whole other phenomenon. But in any case, I like to think of the three things that these three words: the earth, which is humus, mm-hmm. and the aid, which is uh, water, which is humidity. Mm-hmm. Together, make the human with the addition of a whole totally different word, which is ruach, which is the spirit of God. Right. And then you mentioned that you were going to talk a little bit about the aspect of let us. So the story of why did God speak to God's self in the plural? And I wrote a paper on this. I was asking myself this question because if you look at the traditional commentators, Jewish and Christian, Mm -hmm. they frequently start with, God is speaking in the royal plural. The royal we. As if God were the queen of England. And, right. It's, it's when your wife actually said to you regularly, let us take out the garbage. And you know. <laughs> no, no, that's not it at all. Because uh, that's a whole other plural. <laughs> let's us do it, meaning let's you do it. But no, no, but this is, I think, and there are three situations in the primordial history, that is Genesis 1 to 11, where God refers to God's self in the plural. This one, let us make humanity in our image and our likeness. The next one is at the end of chapter 3, when God says about the human being and the male and female human being, uh, they'll become like one of us, knowing good from evil. Mm -hmm. And the third time is in the Tower of Babel story, when God said, let's all go down there. Let's us go down there and confuse their speech. And so why these three times? So if you say royal plural, why is God never... Again, referring to God's self in the royal plural and the whole rest of the Bible. And so I ask that one question. I always think whenever you have a symbol, why is it being used here and not someplace else? Mm -hmm. Why is it not being used someplace else? Mm -hmm. My answer was looking at these three things all in the primordial history is that they're revealing what God is creating. In this case, God is creating male and female gender. Mm -hmm. In the next case, God is is revealing creating good and evil in Hmm. the human spirit and the human awareness. In the last case, in the Tower of Babel story, God is going to create not a a, a a binary thing of male or female, good or evil, but all the languages of the universe, all the ways that human mind can work and the way we can talk. So those three things are necessary aspects Hmm. of a human being, 
male and female, good and evil, and yeah. and the idea is to create and name everything in so many different languages and ways. I think um, within Christianity and Christian commentators, I've often heard either that this is a picture of the Trinity, right? So that um, God in three persons, God is one, Christians believe God is one, but um, is three persons. And uh, so God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So Christians can look at this and say, ah, here we have God speaking to God's self, but in a plural, even though God is one. So that's an, a place where they might see that that picture and symbol. And I've also heard people talk about that royal we. That's a, a frequent uh, way of explaining this these passages. And I've also heard people suggest that God's speaking to the angels. Um, yep, the royal, right? it's called Pamalia Shamala, the, the royal families of heaven. But uh, like I say, why here only? No, it's a great And question. not anywhere else. Yeah. I think you have to defend that. Uh, and one of where they look at it as a trinity, that's fine because we don't, no, nobody looks at the Bible without a Right. Pair of glasses on that have all of our That's right. tradition in it. So we, that, you know, I understand that. Um, but I look at this in, in a whole different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. First of all, the word for God is either aloha, mm-hmm. kind of like aloha, but it's um, eloha. And the plural of that is Elohim. And why is God referred to as Elohim, plural all the time, right. but using a singular verb. So even though the noun is plural, the verbs are right. almost always, with three exceptions in the whole Bible, uh, singular verbs. Mm-hmm. So Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning when God created, is singular, singular verb, verb, plural, plural noun. noun. Right. And the way I like to translate Elohim is not God, but pantheon. Hmm. That is, hmm. if you are a radical view of theology, which is that all the things that people call gods are all really one force, then call God pantheon. <laughs> do, do the people that want to insist on, you know, God being one, achad, do they have a little bit of conflict with you on that? No, 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 no. It's pantheon operating as a unified whole. It's just a nickname. Got it. Right. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> so anyway, the, the fact is that God is infinite mm-hmm. and infinite number of whatever. And so the plurality of God is not to be misunderstood right. because the action is right. singular. Right. I see. That's interesting. Very fun. Well, then let's get to the word image. How image. Do, what does it look like then for God to create Humanity, Adam, appropriate question. What right? does it look like? <laughs> what does it look like? Um, and and what do we think God means by that? When God is saying, "Let us make humanity," and I'm using that word because it's not the word man, it's not the word ish, which isn't going to come up, and we can talk about that next week. Um, and it's not the word Adam. It's right in terms of a proper name. It's Adam. As a matter of fact, I, I know as one boy, um, he was a boy. He was a and, student of mine at Stanford, yeah. and his name is Adam. And his father tried to have him named in this Orthodox synagogue, uh, Adam. And the rabbi wouldn't let him do it hmm. because he said, Adam is not a name. Right. It's human being. Right. And, and so. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just name that guy human. No. You have you to can't. get him a name. So he went to a different rabbi. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but actually in, in Ezekiel, where you have mm-hmm. Ezekiel being called yes. Ben-Adam. Ben-Adam. Ben-Adam, which comes out to be this kind of messianic title in Christian translations of son of man. But it just, in, in Israel today, if you hear somebody go, hey, Ben-Adam, which means, hey, you, bud. Right. You know, hey, buddy. 
Hey, hey, guy. Or it can be a compliment also in Israel, like, who Ben Adam? Has he been a dumb? He, he yeah. is a good man. He's a good person. He's yeah. a good person. Yeah, but it means it can have that connotation, I think, particularly because of um, some of the passages in Ezekiel, but also um, the book of Daniel and then the Gospels. The Son of Man is here, right? The Son of God is here. So we've have, we have all of those connotations in Christianity that make that a title, but we often neglect to recognize that it's in some ways just a descriptor. Well, you know, almost all the words that become titles of some expectation mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. just words mm -hmm. on another level. So they never leave the... They came from something. They came from something, and then they made some, something big out of it. Right. We get confused when we allow them just to stay in their religious spheres rather than trying to understand what the word is. And that's something you do all the time. You're always looking at the etymological who origins. You, who, me? Who, you? Moi. Yes. <laughs> so when we, when we look at this, let us make ha. Is it ha Adam here? Yeah. Um, so ha is like the definitive for the, right? Yep. So let us make Ha Adam. Humanity. Well, the first well, one is not say Adam. Not say Adam. Okay, let us make not say Adam in our image and in our likeness. So, what does that mean? What do you think that that means when we look at um, this text saying that God is making humanity in God's likeness and image? Well, let me start with a strange one because the word Selim we said actually comes from a longer a longer version of the word shadow. And the, that's the word that's used here for image. That's one of the two, mm -hmm. Selim and Demut. And um, there's a thing called a tesseract. Mm -hmm. A tesseract is a four-dimensional thing, and it's take a pyramid, and if you had a pyramid in four dimensions, its three-dimensional shadow would be a pyramid. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and when you, if you take a three-dimensional pyramid and make a shadow, its shadow is a triangle. Right. So that every time you make a shadow or an image, you lose a dimension. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in this case, when you say, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. you're assuming that you can derive information from the shadow. Right, right. It's nothing more than a silhouette of what it could possibly be. But in, in the early days and in, in Jewish law, um, the human body is considered to be in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's why two prohibitions exist. One is against random autopsies. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many autopsies done in America, but I'm not going to go into this whole thing today. But um, if there's any unattended death, it has to be an autopsy. Right. But in Israel, they don't have that. So only when there's a suspicion, a, a, a suspecting there's been a murder and you're trying to stop something or a horrible plague and you're trying to stop something, which right. is imminently going to, if it doesn't make any difference, you don't do an autopsy. But um, the other thing is tattooing. Mm -hmm. Not allowed to mar the image of God. Sure. Uh, if, if the human body is the image of God. Of course, you know, Jews tattoo and Jewish doctors perform autopsy. So, you know, anyway. But the, uh, the, the Maimonides and other Jewish philosophers from the Middle Ages asked the same question. They said, what is the image of God? And they said, not the body. Right. You know, God created fish too. Does God look like a fish? Uh, no, it's the image of God is the, is the mentality. It's the human ability to mm -hmm. think in infinite terms. Mm-hmm. And our ability to do that is the image of God. We have intimations of eternity. And because of that, where yeah. do we get that? So as, if you think about it, the body is nothing more than a piece of mud. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's the Adama and the Eid. Mm -hmm. The part that's special is the Ruach Elohim, is the, image, right. is the spirit of God that, that entered. Which is that part two. that we'll get right later. Next week. Um, 
and and I like that idea of image also having the connotation of shadow, right? Um, that it, it's not quite all that you can see. If you and I are standing there on the sidewalk and we see the shadows cast, you can get the frame, you know, an idea of the frame. But there could be some distortion depending upon the time of day. Is the long shadow, is the short shadow, does it look, you know, tall or, or fat or does it look diagonal to where you're at? So the idea of that shadow um, of the image is, is helpful for me in terms of saying it's this and it's not entirely, right? When I see another person and yet I would say the, the idea of viewing every person that I meet as created and made in the image of God and that because of that, they have value. And that when I encounter them, I'm encountering uh, a shadow and a piece and a picture of the Tselem, of Elohim. This um, changes then, hopefully, how I interact with that person. If I'm willing to see each person, every person on the face of the earth, um, created in the image of God. Now, again, maybe there's a distortion, right? Maybe you're talking to somebody who has made so many choices that they've so distorted the image um, for whatever, in whatever reason, through through brutality or horrors or whatever it is that we uh, struggle to see um, the image of God. But then there's still for, for me in my life, this, this passage shapes me, but then my job is to find it. And my job is to try to call it back to the, to the way that God initially created humanity and for the purpose that God initially created humanity. Because after all this, God can say it's very good. And, and if I, um, Think about what I want my kids or my congregation to know. I want them to know that they are made in God's image with purpose and that they are made good. And now it's up to them as to what they want to do with that and how they're going to interact with everybody else in the world, also believing that everyone else that they meet is also made in God's image and made for good. And when you talk about some people make so many bad choices that they end up changing themselves, uh, they're still in the image of God, but mm -hmm. it, if you think of the story of the picture of Dorian Gray, mm, where he wanted right. to remain young and and do all kinds of horrible things, and every time he grew older or did something horrible, his image right. got more disgusting mm -hmm. until finally he became part of the image. But mm. but that's that's one concept of the image of God. We have another story that's like that, not not Dorian Gray, but the image of God, which is that. There are all kinds of Jewish stories about where is the Messiah? Mm. And the standard answer would be he's among the lepers by the gates of Rome bandaging mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. sores. Mm -hmm. And so that when you see somebody mm -hmm. who's unfortunate begging on the street, that's not how they were born. Mm -hmm. And they could be the Messiah. And you should mm -hmm. treat everybody as mm -hmm. if not only they're the image of God, but they could be the Messiah. It's nice. And I think... Um, Within Christianity, of course, when we talk about being made in the image of God and what it means to be fully human and fully created with God's purpose and, and humanity in this world, uh, we have a really good picture of that because we believe that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so for, for Christians, we can see in the person of Jesus, ah, that's what it looks it, to be a flourishing human. Right to be so, to be concerned with Torah, to be concerned with taking care of of the most vulnerable in the society, to care for the least of these, um, to um, deeply care about those on the fringes, and to have still um, maybe hard words but hopeful words for those of us who are in positions of power and structures and authority, and how to make sure that 
what we are creating, the world and the systems we're creating around us are continuing to care for all of the people around, there, around it's us. It's the morality. Right. It's the, it's the mentality. It's the spirit. Because if you begin to focus on the physicality, you're mm-hmm. missing the whole point. Focusing right. on the physicality right. is idolatry. Right. And you and I have talked many times about the lame pictures of Jesus. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, we didn't know that Jesus was a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew he right. had really blown out blonde hair, like beautifully, just with a little bob curl on the bottom, right? Blue and that's eyes. the problem yeah. with trying to make a physical right. image of God, no matter what God, mm-hmm. no matter who. And since both of our traditions are right. iconoclastic, that is people who break idols, right? based on the tradition of Abraham, right. um, at least by the images of the traditions of Abraham, uh, we we can't be accept we can't be satisfied with any of these pictures of anything. Now I don't know how you live with an image of God when you how how do you draw pictures of that? Yeah, it's very challenging, right? What Muslims do is they simply draw don't they draw the clothes of Muhammad, right? Peace be upon him, right? But they don't draw his face right and i think in ben-hur you just see a shadow of jesus right, right. you don't see jesus much better, much better yeah sell him sell yeah another shadow of yeah. the image i i remember one other story that is in uh rabbinic literature of Rabbi Akiva walking through a bathhouse <laughs> with his disciples. And you're immediately, right. there's some trouble immediately. Like, what are we doing in the well, bathhouse? And is it okay, baths. right? What you had but they ask him this question, right? House, you know. And so as they're walking by, they're like, Rabbi Akiva, is it okay for to go to a bathhouse? And he said, son, look over there. And there's a man cleaning a statue of, of a human, right? And he says, so look at that person's cleaning off that statue. Look at the attention and care. They're giving the statue, probably wiping all the birds you know, leftovers off of it. And um, and he goes, how much more than am I made in the image of God? Should I not go and clean and take care of my body? <laughs> That's his, he goes right back to this Genesis narrative <laughs> of like, see, we're all made in the image of God and we should care for that. I went to a, um, when I was a rabbi at Stanford, uh, I went to a meeting of all the rabbis on from college campuses on the West Coast. And we had it at a Catholic retreat center. Mm. Uh, in Southern California, and I would got be somewhat uncomfortable because there were so many statues, images. Yeah. images. Um, and one of my f- friends, who was also named Ari, he was an Orthodox rabbi uh, of a Southern California campus, and he said, "Don't worry about the images; they're all statues of Jews." <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Right. Miriam, Mary. <laughs> it's true. Even Jesus. That's so, right. So, uh, and I was, I was calmed by the fact that one of my Orthodox colleagues could have <laughs> that kind of a feeling about it. Well, and, and as my church rents space from your synagogue, right, right? One of our agreements in terms of the contract for that space is, besides kosher keeping and things like that, is to not, to make sure we don't have any images. And that was easy for our church and our practice to agree to because we don't practice our practice isn't with images but if i go to a catholic church um then yeah i might see some images and um i will i will see icons and and i think in church history there are reasons behind why a lot of that got started um and some of it has to do education right it was a lot of education um and then there were christians that reacted to it and they tried to crush and and destroy all of the icons and images. And, and they took other... the corpus off the cross. Right, right. All of those things. So I didn't grow up with um, a crucifix, right? We had a cross in our church sanctuary. I grew up Lutheran, but not one with the body of Jesus still on it for a lot of reasons, but in part regarding the 
the concept of image. But when I when I open up any children's program or curriculum, you know, to be able to teach within um, within the church, there's always a picture of Jesus, and I never see one where he looks like a first century Jew. So for nothing else, for that alone, that's one of the things that that um, concerns me about continuing to uh, see see God in, try to create an image that expresses God. I'd rather look at the human across from me. And we've talked about looking at Mark Chagall's pictures mm-hmm. of Jesus, which yeah. puts him in Jewish regalia as well right. as with a, a Jewish face from right. the days of Mark right. Chagall. I have no idea what Jewish faces used to look like right. 2,000 right. years ago. Right. But yeah. Yeah, it's quite beautiful. There's one other verse I, I want to read, mm-hmm. uh, chapter 5 of Genesis, verses 1 and 2. It says, this is the book of the uh, generations of Adam, of humanity. On the day that God created humanity, in the image of God, God created it. Male and female, God created them and blessed them and named them Adam, humanity. Nice. So that male and female are both equally images of God and together equally make up the concept of Adam, of humanity. And right. It's one interesting thing. We're going to get more into male next and week. female yeah. next time. But um, the why, why was a word that's used later on for men, this, the word that's used for all humans mm-hmm. and our earthlings is better. Right. But um and one possible reason is that men have X and Y chromosomes and therefore women and men are both within the concept of man, of a literal man. Right. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, one of the uh Kabbalistic, one of the Jewish mystical traditions is that because it says God created it, male and female and the name Adam, humanity, can be the name of the person. Some people have seen that Adam was created as a hermaphrodite, hmm. male in front and female in the back. Mm-hmm. and Like uh, a Siamese twin. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, like to a conjoined twin in that Literally concept, conjoined right. twins. Right. Literally conjoined twins. And so we'll get more into that next time. But, but that the human that was first created had to be capable of creating both genders. Mm-hmm. If you th- even if you think about it in evolutionary terms, it would have only been one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? W- one mutation that was finally successful. Whether it was female or male, we don't really particularly know, but that's what actually would have happened. Right. And I think just at least for what our text is telling us in Genesis 1, is that when in this first account of creation of Genesis 1, when God creates humans, God creates them in God's image and likeness, God creates them male and female, and God says it's good. So the second part, which we're not going to get into this this week of the second I, um, creation narrative that'll be in chapter two and chapter three of how was woman created and um, and is woman lesser than man and all of those things that doesn't enter into play here in Genesis one, not in this. No. In this narrative. And, and I, something I never told you before, we never got around to this conversation before, but the way I look at these two chapters, uh, actually the first three chapters, is just the, what we have in this chapter is not anatomically modern humans. Mm. This hmm. would be Homo. This is just genus Homo. That is the concept of human beings. So, you know, Australopithecus and all the other types of things that, you know, all the Pithecus that came right. before. Right. And then next chapter is homo sapiens interesting how do you know that because 
that's when the human begins to name things.、Mm-hmm. That sapiens means、mm-hmm. knowledge.、Mm-hmm. So this generation is just Homo. That one is Homo sapiens. And when we and then you have to go to get Homo sapiens sapiens in the next chapter three <laughs> where. Other things happen, and this is where you and Kevin will just need to do the next podcast together because you, <laughs> he thinks about all of these origin stories in the scientific world、um, quite a bit, and I know you guys could just enjoy one another's good company on that subject. I, on the other hand, am like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm gonna. Stick to these words on this page and try to figure out the. You、Hebrew. are never going to stick to any words on a page. You have no, but I, but I mean it from the point of like this is this is actually of great interest to me. These words so shift and change how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. So thanks for helping me do that today. Thanks for helping me sit and think about these words. Just a couple of images of God talking to each other on microphones, hanging out. What the heck? What the heck? Amen. <laughs> Imago Dei, Imago Dei.